Anyway, okay, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. Today we are joined by Lily Romeo from Leader of the Pack Professional Dog Services to talk about separation anxiety. Lily was actually our very first guest on the podcast and she is our first return guest for season three. So welcome back, Lily. Let's get into it. Thank you guys so much again for having me. I'm so happy. I was honored to be your first guest and I'm honored to be your first return guest. I'm really excited. I know separation anxiety is a very hot topic right now, so I'm very happy and I'm excited to talk about it with you guys today. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. All right. Today we are here with Lily Romeo from Leader of the Pack to talk about separation anxiety. So we know that the pandemic has been difficult on many pups and the transition back to some sort of normalcy slash real life, I'm using air quotes, uh, will be (laughs) even more difficult for many of our dogs. So today we hope to... provide some sort of strategy to help you and your pup through this transition. Lily, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So happy you're back as our first return guest. Oh my God, Marshall, you can't just climb under the desk. Go. Like I can and I will though. Speaking of separation (laughs) anxiety. Um, yeah, so excited you're here. So I guess before we get started today, can you give us a quick intro to yourself for those who haven't listened to previous podcast episodes and maybe don't know who you are? And also you have to tell us about the dogs. Of course, of course. Um, so yeah, for those who don't know me, I'm Lily Romeo. I own and operate Leader of the Pack Professional Dog Services. We've been servicing Kitchener-Waterloo and surrounding areas for the past almost five years, but it'll be, it's been four and a half years now. Um, we offer behavior-based and relationship-based dog training, as well as pack walks, which unfortunately are at capacity, but um, you can always see our photos for our pack walks on Instagram, but we also offer free community walks and different events um, throughout the year. So yeah, um, for my dogs, for my little pack, I have three dogs. I have Sadie. She's a Rottweiler mix. Um, she's going to be 12 in November, which breaks my heart. <laughs> because I don't like her getting old, but um, I also have Lady. She's my Husky mix. She's going, she just turned eight um, this year. Uh, she's, you didn't hear her before, but she was the one howling <laughs> for some attention before. Because um, anytime I'm on a podcast, that's always what they, what they do. Or anytime I'm on a Zoom call, they're like, always got to get their noses into it. But, um, and then I also have my Chihuahua, George. He's 13. Um, he's a typical Chihuahua, but I love his sass. So (laughs) yeah, he's a good guy. Full house. So many dogs. Definitely. (laughs) Love the little ones for the sass. That's what they're good at. (laughs) Oh yeah. Nice and compact in size and a lot of sass to spare. So (laughs) 
Exactly. Well, thank you uh, for sharing with everybody a bit about your background. Um, but let's dive in to the topic of separation anxiety. So to get us started, sorry, to get us started, could you tell us what separation anxiety really is and how that tends to be present in dogs? Of course. So separation anxiety is generally when a dog has developed a stress response or a learned behavior associated with the human giving space. So whether that's with the human leaving the home or in some cases it can even just be the human leaving the room or leaving eyesight for some dogs. Um, Separation anxiety, like in terms of symptoms, anxiety can present differently dog to dog, but the most common symptoms that we see for separation anxiety can be things like excessive drooling, um, barking, whining, which I find are the most common, at least with my clients, destructive behaviors. So destructive chewing, things like that. Um, I've walked into homes before where people are missing drywall. So that can be a pretty severe one, um, but scratching walls, scratching doors, attempting to break out of crates or rooms or general confinement, those tend to be the most common symptoms of anxiety. You can also see a lot of panting, wider eyes, things like that. I have a question. A lot of, of people I feel uh, confuse overexcitement and anxiety. Do you find that? That definitely can be quite common because hyperactivity or like overexcitement and anxiety have very similar um, body languages, in my opinion. So again, the panting, the wide eyes, the like more rambunctious or like overstimulated like movement can be very similar between the two. Um, Again, the the differences can be quite like minuscule, in my opinion. I feel like it can be sometimes hard to see. Usually with excited behaviors, you'll definitely see like generally like more like jumping or just like generally more like it looks happier when it's more excited. But again, it can be very similar. Like anxiety can cause or sorry, excitement can lead to anxious behaviors and vice versa. So again, if you have a dog who practices a lot of anxiety, excitement can actually be one of the root cause, like too much excitement can be one of the root causes, which leads to anxiety later. Um, I think I said that right. Excitement tends to lead to anxiety um, if not managed properly or if there's just too much of it in general. So you're saying that if I allow my dog to get overexcited every time somebody walks in the door, that could be a habit? It absolutely could. Um, Generally, when we start creating a lot of intensity and a lot of like excitement and just make a really big deal of people coming in, we tend to make it like, oh, it's a big deal that somebody's here, which starts to translate to it's a big deal when or it can anyway. Um, It's a big deal when people leave. Right. And And when we reward that excitement, we teach them that high level behavior gets encourage. And that can lead to, again, dogs just practicing more anxious behavior and and excitement in itself um, isn't always the most natural response for dogs. So when we start creating too much excitement, we can start to see some anxiety um, within that as well. Not always. Again, excitement can be a separate issue on its own, and it doesn't always associate with anxiety. But um, in my experience, I have seen anxiety or excitement in general. It can lead to some anxious behaviors or at least contribute to more intense anxiety in some cases. Okay. I also have a question and now I'm going off, I'm going off script. So sorry. I love it. Let's do it on the spot. (laughs) No, with, we're going to talk a little bit more about like specific strategies for specific types of people in the second half of the podcast. But I'm wondering if with COVID, if you have seen just generally with your clients and the people you work with, are you hearing more separation anxiety or anxiety based behaviors, um, since the pandemic? would definitely say it's a it's definitely increased um anxiety has always been an issue that I've dealt with um again I wouldn't say that like 
in most cases, like before COVID, was it the most common? Absolutely not. It's definitely made quite a bit of an increase since COVID. I think just with the increase of people getting dogs and then not necessarily having the same routine that they have when they go back to work definitely makes a big difference. And then also, um, Again, some people, in a lot of cases I've worked with, a lot of people, it's their first dogs. So a lot of what maybe is the norms of having dog or having a dog in general, in my opinion, is not what the norm of when people get them now. And again, in, in a lot of cases, people haven't needed to create space from their dogs. So that's definitely caused a lot more anxiety, in my opinion, to start happening just because the, the healthy distance that we need isn't been as it's not something that people have to practice as often, right? People have get to be with their dogs all the time and that definitely can lead to some codependency for sure. We I have no, co- we have no codependency <laughs> going as on. As I see Marshall in the background. <laughs> I, you can't see, but my two are out. right behind me. <laughs> uh, that's so I'm true. Just yeah. Codependency. I know Marshall. that well. Yeah. <laughs> Marshall and I are very codependent. It's fine. Okay. And to be fair, it is it is normal for the the dogs wanting to be with their pack. And again, it's it's that's instinctual for them. They want to be with their humans. Their human is their pack. It's their family. So it isn't normal when the human goes away. But part of bringing dogs into our society and our lifestyle and our routine is that we have to teach them to create those calm associations. They can be calm when we're home, but they can also be calm when we're when we're not home. But again, not having that much opportunity to be away from our dogs has definitely impacted people's ability to create the calm when they aren't home. Also, it impacts my ability. Like if I'm away from Marshall <laughs> for like three hours, I'm like, where's my dog? I miss him. Gotta How's get those he puppy doing? snugs, right? Yeah. And then when he's with you on Tuesdays, like by like 3.30, I'm like, where's my dog? <laughs> the days I drop him off late, you're like, right? where is he? <laughs> I'm just like sitting at home waiting for Marshall to get home. It's Aww. very sad. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Lily. Um, It's nice to hear kind of just your general thoughts on what separation anxiety looks like. Um, So we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and dive into some strategies after. So stay tuned. episode is brought to you by Nutrim Pet Products. Our pets bring so much joy to our lives, which is why we feed them the best. Made in Elmira, Nutrim recipes are all natural and only sold in Canadian-owned pet specialty retailers. Plus, $1 from each bag sold is donated to a local charity. Who do you feed for? Visit Nutrim.com for more information. Welcome back to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. So today we are talking about separation anxiety with Lily Romeo. Hi, Lily. Hello. (laughs) Happy to be back. (laughs) So in the first half of today's episode, we heard a little bit about Lily and also about her dogs And also about what separation anxiety really is and what it looks like in our dogs. 
So let's dive back in. Ken's want to kick it off with our first question. Yes. All right. So let's say hypothetically, I wish that I got a puppy during (laughs) COVID (laughs) and my dog has not been left alone at all for more than maybe like an hour or two. It's entire life where I like run out and get groceries and come right back. So what strategies could I start to implement to make the transition back to normalcy easier for my dog? Asking for a friend who is in. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of friends out there you're asking for. <laughs> um, there's definitely been a lot of COVID puppies. So again, I feel like when we're talking about puppies, prevention is always better than management. So starting early is super, super important. Um, again, starting off with a routine right when you bring your puppy home. Um, Again, I'm going to talk about crating a lot because I find crating is not only the way that I manage separation anxiety a lot of the time, but it's also a really good way of preventing separation anxiety. And again, we're definitely going to get into talking about some tips to help like manage separation anxiety now, but crating is such an important foundation of your puppy's relationship, not only with you, but um, just in terms of your home in general. And when we want to talk about um, starting a routine, I recommend that Crating is something that happens consistently. Crating shouldn't only be something that happens when you leave for a little bit or at night. It's not, crating is, yes, very important to help with potty training and prevent your puppy from eating your favorite pair of shoes. Um, But crating can also be really important for helping puppies learn how to practice healthy distance right? And again, we tend to, especially bringing our puppies home for the first time, we want all those cuddles. We want all that, that nice puppy smell, get our faces right in their <laughs> little faces, um, which is again, a very, in my opinion, a lovely part of owning a dog and nobody gets a puppy not to do that. But it is important that we create that healthy space and that healthy separation at the beginning. Um, so again, giving your puppy lots of downtime and again, creating can be important for not only preventing separation anxiety. Again, another very common issue I get with puppies is biting and mouthing. And that's a very classic sign of being overstimulated or overtired and generally not getting enough naps. And I know when I don't get enough naps, I'm also pretty <laughs> same girl. Sometimes. <laughs> so again, we definitely want to make sure that our puppies are getting a, a structured routine. So I recommend creating at night when you're not home, but especially when you are home, right? You don't want your dog only associating their crate with when, oh, I'm going to be leaving for a little bit. And then every time mom leaves, she puts me in this small space. The crate is supposed to be a safe place. It's supposed to be a place where a dog associates with a calm state. It's, a, dog, it's supposed to mimic a den. Dogs are naturally denning creatures and the crate is a really important um, foundation just to help them learn how to self-soothe and self-calm at a distance from you. So I do recommend starting off creating right at the beginning. So question for you. So we're <laughs> what, like how many months, 18 months into the mm-hmm. pandemic? Who's counting? They, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Last so, track at this point. <laughs> say right at the beginning, I got a puppy and now my puppy is a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I haven't crate trained my dog. Yeek. <laughs> what would you say to those individuals, um, those owners out there who, who that's the, the route they took? Would you mm-hmm. say start crate training right now? Can you crate train a year and a half old dog or something else? There's definitely other methods that we can implement, but crating is also, is just such an important foundation. And I do think that even for a dog who's a year old or even a dog who's later in life, crating is always something that we can learn. The most important part is just consistency and practice. Um, again, crating is, is generally something that I recommend if there's any like issues with destructive behaviors or the dog um, potentially causing harm to themselves or just again, general property in the home. So 
Creating is something that can be taught at any point. Um, I do recommend starting small. Like I would never recommend if you want to start creating, just putting your dog in the crate and then leaving for a couple of hours, you do have to go back to some of the basics of creating. And the beginning part of creating, in my opinion, is just teaching them how to go in the crate and accepting walking in and coming out. That's step one. If your dog isn't willing to go in the crate in a calm state, they certainly won't stay in the crate in a calm state. So generally practicing the going ins and out of the crate is really important um, as like your starting point. And then slowly from there, working up, teaching the dog to be in the crate for longer durations of time, starting off with a couple of seconds, waiting for them to calm down, inviting them out, and then building on that experience, closing the door, and then again, eventually adding space and distance from that. We used to play crate games. So oh, yes. we would create like a game around the crate. Um, and yes, exactly that. If the if she went into the crate, then it would be a big deal. She'd get food or she'd get something of really, really high value. And then we I would run away from the crate and then create some sort of game around it. And she used to really like that. Not that I create in the home, but I do create at like certain events um, mm. for like dog sports and stuff. But uh, yeah, it created the association that the crate is good. The crate is fun. Crate means I get something of high value. So, And I definitely think creating a positive association with the crate is super important. Um, in some cases, you don't want to create too, too much excitement in the crate because getting a, a dog full of energy and then putting them into a small space sometimes isn't always... <laughs> It might be counterproductive in some ways, but again, as long as like getting them to go in the crate in a, in a playful manner, I don't think that's a bad road by any means. I think that's really helpful. And especially using food, if your dog um, enjoys food and is food motivated, that can be a very helpful tool. Um, I think there just needs to be the two sides of the coin, like the willingness and the acceptance of going in the crate, but then also being able to practice the calm and the duration. If your dogs practice calm in the crate at like a, a sporting event, which can have a lot of <laughs> intensity, I imagine, that sounds like you've already done a really great job. And that's awesome. I love to hear that. Um, sometimes she gets very excited in the crate because she sees other dogs. And <laughs> fair, it's, fair. It's, I don't blame her. She loves playing. So anyway, yeah. um, Okay, Justine, we have another question. Let's flip the coin. Okay, so obviously I'm asking for a friend now and that friend might be Mackenzie. Um, <laughs> so we've talked about COVID puppies. I know nothing about COVID puppies. I didn't get one. No. Um, but what about the dogs that once stayed home all day? They were fine by themselves and they've now adjusted to a life with their person or there are people at home with them all day, every day. So do you, I mean, we kind of already have started to talk about this, but do you recommend different or similar strategies for more mature dogs? And a lot of the recommendations that I will have would be quite similar. Again, um, healthy distance in whatever form makes sense to you or is best for your dog can definitely be really important. Again, creating is one option. The other option is teaching exercises of place. Now there's many different variations of place, but the idea of place is teaching your dog to stay on a spot, like a bed, a mat, a cot, and teaching them to be sent relaxed on the spot while you walk away. And being able to practice that exercise, again, starting off when you're home, that will be generally the easiest opportunity to practice. You'll be home, you'll be able to consistently um, help your dog understand the point of the exercise, which again is to stay calm and relaxed on the spot well, you gradually start to increase distance over time. Um, but the idea would be if you, again, aren't going the route of creating would be that your dog can stay calm as you like approach going to the door and approach like putting on your shoes, grabbing your keys, getting your coat um, and start getting that routine of teaching your dog to stay calm while those triggers for you leaving happen. Um, other things that I can recommend is not making a big deal of 
the coming and going, right? We love to give our dogs those big, like, hey, buddy, I missed you when we get home. And of course we have, right? Nobody misses their dog um, or nobody doesn't miss their dog when they haven't seen <laughs> them for all day. Sorry, I was going to be like, no, no, we definitely miss them. We definitely miss them. Um, but again, when we say those, those, we make big deals of it. Again, we're teaching the dog that when they're concerned about us leaving, we reward that concern with all of our, our goodbyes wow. and our hellos. And we're teaching them to associate human leaving with getting more worked up in a sense. Um, so again, I, if I, if you want to give your dog a little bit of a goodbye or, um, a hello, I always wait, um, until after they've settled down once I get home. And if I'm going to give them a goodbye before I leave, I do it long before I actually leave. And when I do leave, I recommend practicing no touch, no talk, no eye contact. Um, again, it can be really hard to practice that in the morning when you're trying to get your kids out the door and when you're trying to get to work on time. So practicing before you need the experience, I think is really important. Um, rewarding calm as a whole, also really important. Try not to allow your dog to follow you around the house as much. Again, teaching them that codependency of always <laughs> as Marshall's walking back and forth and frame in the background <laughs> um, um, but teaching your dog again just practicing calm healthy distance um, in whatever form makes sense for you but generally I won't allow dogs to follow me around the house all the time as much as cute as it is it does tend to start teaching some of that codependency so teaching your dog to stay on a spot if they get up every time you do getting them to relax and then practicing leaving um, often, I think can be really helpful. And again, that's all things you can do just in your home before you actually leave to help create some of those foundations to build it up to eventually leaving when um, you're actually going to be leaving your home. Place is one of the best things I've ever taught Marshall. And we definitely need to go back and kind of like refresh because we haven't been using it as much. But I remember in the winter, when it was like freezing cold outside and you barely want to walk. Um, we would do place every single day. And I literally made myself a calendar because I don't do well with like abstract things. <laughs> so I needed to tell myself that like day one, it would be me beside Marshall for three minutes. Day two, it would be me, bes- me beside Marshall for five minutes. Day three, it would be me beside Marshall for 10 minutes. And then I'd slowly do like standing across the room or mm-hmm. being in another room. And I made myself a calendar to like flow through. And within 30 days, he totally got it. I love that. And I love having the routine for figuring out what works best for your dog and, and keeping track of your goals. I think that's super important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go back to that one. All right. Well, sounds like we're out of time. Oh, we don't have a, um, but we will come back with our uh, final question. So Kenza, are you, you wrap it up. Thank you, Lily, for all of that information. I really hope that, uh, you know, our listeners find, uh, some useful tips from either one side of the coin, young puppy to the other side, being an older, more mature dog. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with the lightning round. Awesome. I look forward to it. All right. Welcome back. We are going to jump into a lightning round. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I 
like it needed a follow-up. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> did. Thank you. <laughs> All, All right. right. So Ken, so you want to kick us off with the first lightning round question? Yeah. So we've got a couple uh, questions for you, Lily. So, okay. What is a simple way to entertain my dog when working on separation anxiety? Uh, so I can, for my dogs, I like to leave the TV on for them. It's just nice to give them some little bit of background noise, um, maybe help drown out some of the, the car doors closing and the people walking by that tends to help kind of maybe keep them a bit calmer. And um, I also like to use pet safe essential oil. So I have a diffuser that I use adding some smell and using the dog's nose can be really helpful to kind of help keep the brain calm and relaxed. And again, a no, using the nose for a dog is very powerful and that can sometimes be very helpful. What sort of essential oils do you use that are dog safe? Uh, I think lavender is the one I use the most often, but there's a lot of different ones that you can use. Just always make sure you search them out, make sure them that, that they're safe for your dog and some that are safe for dogs are not safe for cats. Um, all right. Those are really great tips, Lily. So my next question is around, um, it does exercise with dogs play a role in separation anxiety or anxiety in general, because I have a dog that I walk every day. And he still has separation anxiety. Exercise is still very important. I definitely recommend before leaving your dog for the day that you do fulfill them both physically and mentally, because having pent up energy can definitely still make behaviors more intense. Now, just walking your dog is not going to solve separation anxiety as a whole. Um, again, your relationship plays a really big part in that, making sure that you fill your dog's day with structure and leadership is also really important, but specifically practicing healthy distance and exercises that focus on your dog practicing calm at a distance is really key in managing separation anxiety, but exercise absolutely is very important. Walk your dogs, please. <laughs> <laughs> quickly, uh, quickly, just to follow up on that. What does leadership mean to you? For Leadership dog. for me means giving expectations to my dogs. So making sure that they understand what their role in the pack is, making sure that they feel comfortable and secure, making sure that they practice calm before we go through the door, making sure they practice calm before I give them their food, they're respecting space. Um, structure can look like a lot of different things, um, depending on your dog and maybe the issues that you're working on. Structure can look a little bit different, um, but you always want to make the rules before you break the rules. So I do recommend making sure that your day is filled with structure. And that's a Caesar quote for you. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I freaking love that quote. Did you make it's that It's a good up? quote. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> that's great. I love that. All right. Well, that was our lightning round. Thank you very much, Lily. Let's, Thank you so uh, much, guys. Let's wrap this up. You've been listening to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast. And today we've been talking about separation anxiety with Lily Romeo from Leader of the Pack Professional Dog Services. So Lily, we have one more question for you. Perfect. Give it to me. What is one concrete tip you would offer to someone who is working through separation anxiety with their dog? We'll put it into two words, maybe three, and it will be patience and consistency and calm. Again, we have to be calm if we are wanting to teach calm. Um, patience is really important. Separation anxiety, anxiety in general can be a very complex behavior. It can be a very challenging behavior and it takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of just consistently practicing with your dog and setting aside time to practice with your dog. But patience is one of the most important. Unfortunately, behaviors generally don't change overnight. So we have to make sure that we're patient with our dogs and we give them the time they need to adjust to new changes, new routines, um, just Again, life after COVID at this point. So 
way to really wrap it up, Lily. That was the perfect way (laughs) to summarize. So thanks everybody for tuning in today to the dog friendly KW podcast. So Lily, if our listeners would like to get in touch or learn more about your work, where can they find you? Yeah. So you guys can find me if you're interested in uh, learning more about what I do or coming out to our free community walks. If you want to meet me in person, um, you can find us on Facebook at leader of the pack professional dog services or on Instagram at leader of the pack KW. Um, both our email and our phone number should be on there. So you're welcome to reach out anytime. Happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, and we hope to maybe see you at our, one of our walks someday. And especially at our Halloween walk with dog friendly KW. At yes! the end of the month. <laughs> great plug. Great plug. I know. I great had to plug. put it in there. It just perfectly slid in, but I'm very excited about it. So yeah, make sure to include it. October 31st, everybody, 12 p.m. Gockle Street in downtown Kitchener. We'll be doing a costume pack walk by registration, followed by a pooch block party. So get ready for that. And we will see you next week. He's looking at my headphones like wisely, wisely inside the headphones. Do you recognize my voice? Watching the time slip away. Can I just go right into it? Just bleed right into it. Sweet. Bad. Don't do that, but you know. (laughs) Okay. Okay.